0: Locksmith Talk with Aloha is supported by Security Pro Supply. What is Security Pro Supply? Well, it's the new parent brand for H.L. Flake International Key Supply, H.E. Mitchell, and McDonald Dash Companies. While these great company names will continue to live on, associating them together under the Security Pro Supply parent brand allows them to communicate a unified mission, which is to help you, the security professional, be successful. We'd also like to thank HL Flake and Security Pro Supply for partnering with ALOA to promote ongoing virtual education via webinars. It's certainly been an eventful year, but thanks to HL Flake, Security Pro Supply, and ALOA, educational opportunities have remained available for security professionals around the world. For more information about these webinars, please visit aloa.org. Speaking of websites, visit Security Pro Supply's website, securityprosupply.com. There you will find links to the exciting company's e-commerce sites. You can also take a moment to explore their growing library of educational resources, including the listing of all webinars being offered through Aloa. Once again, that is securityprosupply.com. Welcome to Locksmith Talk with Loa. I'm your podcast host, William Link. Today's episode is entitled Healthcare Locksmithing. Institutional locksmith Chris Chase shares his knowledge and expertise on locksmithing in a healthcare setting. Chris Chase, CRL, CAI, LSFDI, has been in the security industry for 22 years. Working 20 years for a large locksmith company, he was a mobile tech, tech supervisor, operations manager, and a project manager for new construction Division 8 projects. Chris now works for MedExcel Facilities Management, part of Ascension, with 150 hospitals nationwide. Chris handles locksmithing duties, as well as auto operators and door and frame repair for the Austin market, covering 15 hospitals. In his spare time, he is a certified ACE instructor for ALOA and teaches locksmith related classes. Good morning, Chris, how are you today? I'm doing great, how are you? Great, I'm so glad we have you on today to learn a little bit more about healthcare and how it affects the locksmith industry. So let me start by asking, how is this pandemic treating you and other institutional tradesmen? Well, that's a big question.
1: (laughs) Um, It's been a crazy year, but um, you really have to learn how to adapt uh, um, the the processes and protocols that go along with working in healthcare. Um, especially this year in a pandemic, um, they can change every thirty six hours. Um, every other day, there's a new process, and you're rebuilding something um, or tearing something down and rebuilding it over here. Um, so it's really a lesson in adaptation. Mm.
0: What? Let me ask you this, what adjustments have you had to make to operate effectively while still being mindful of what's going on?
1: So with the pandemic, specifically mm. um, uh, COVID uh, patients, um, to be able to house COVID positive patients, there's a, a lot of uh, situational scenarios that have to happen. So the, all the way down to the pressures, the air pressures in the rooms, um, the seals, all of the doors have to shut and latch effectively. Um, luckily, I work in a, a hospital that's, that's state-of-the-art. It's, it's a pretty new building, um, and we have the ability to convert or invert, revert uh, the air pressures in the room. So if we are going to house a COVID-positive patient in a room, we would turn that Uh, that room to a negative pressure Um, so it's drawing air into the room and exhausting out of the building Um, so the seals all have to be proper around the door and um, as well as it has to shut and latch effectively every time. Wow. Um, If we want to turn a a certain wing into a a COVID wing uh, quite often we'll build barriers to separate you know one wing or one section off um, you know properly sealed accordingly.
0: When you say barriers, what, what what type of barriers? So we'll, we'll actually build structural uh,
1: walls um, and, and openings, door openings, and it's a section off uh, one area from another.
0: <laughs> now, Chris, not every institutional locksmith has the same role or the same set of responsibilities. And that goes beyond both the institution type and the employer. Can you tell us what your responsibilities are and the scope of the work you handle. In other words, are you focused on doors, locks, access control, elopement systems? Well, I was hired to be to replace a, a
1: locksmith who was um, retiring or, or stepping down and moving into a different role. Um, but I, I brought a lot of skill sets um, with me, um, so I eventually adapted more roles and more scopes. Um, that I was responsible for. So, other than uh, repairing locks, uh, rekeying locks, I also do some, some low-level access control I work and on and uh, repair and install auto operators, as well as doors and frames. And then, uh, you know, anything with a lock on it, from file cabinets uh, to med drawers,
0: um, you know, all of that comes to me. Mm-hmm. Chris, can you walk us through a typical day for you and one of your locksmiths? In other words, what sort of tasks are involved in a typical day, uh, a typical week? So normally my days are pretty planned out
1: uh, ahead of time. Um, But let's say I I didn't have anything scheduled for the day. Any work orders that would come in, I would tackle those uh, as soon as I could. Um, But when I'm not uh, focused on a specific uh, work order, I would be rounding the building. Um, So basically inspecting the building. Um, The main building that I cover has over 1,500 doors in it. Um, So it's a tall order. But I also, you know, we have 15 hospitals in our network. Um, There's one other locksmith. So we have plenty to do.
0: So you have to travel from hospital to hospital. Do you stay at one hospital a day or are you constantly traveling? Um,
1: so the, the hospital that I office out of, I'm there about three days a week. Um, and then the other two days, I split up between the other hospitals okay. on an as-needed basis. <laughs> right.
0: Do you, Chris, perform all of your work in-house or do you sometimes rely on outside locksmiths?
1: Um, as far as locksmithing, I do everything in-house. Um, when I first came on board, we did have a lot of vendors, um, you know, doors, frames, auto operators. Um, I kind of took on that role so we wouldn't have to uh, bear that cost associated with all those vendors. Um, so I try to do all as much as possible in-house. Um, anything in a door opening um I feel we should be able to do in-house um, just short of pulling a door frame, uh, the hollow metal frames, you know, fully welded uh, frames, um, just because of the desk control and everything that goes along with that. <clears throat> um, it's best to use a contractor for that. Mm-hmm. But just short of that, we do in-house.
0: You had mentioned earlier that you try to tackle your work orders first. What would be a, an example of a typical work order for you? Um, Everything
1: from lost keys or keys stuck in a lock to um, the doors not latching, uh, combo lock is not working, uh,
0: mostly repairs, (laughs) Uh, auto operators not shutting. uh, Chris, a common stereotype of institutional locksmithing is that it is rewarding work, but it's burdened with red tape and politics. So do you consider this stereotype to have some truth to it? And if so, how might an institutional locksmith or a locksmith that is considering institutional work successfully navigate the climate of institutional work so they don't get burned out or spurned by the setting? Well, there's definitely some truth to it. Um, everything
1: in healthcare has to be documented. <laughs> so... If there's a failure or a deficiency, and it's your task to fix it, um, the failure has already been documented. But every every step along the way, um, you you need to document. Uh, so there's an assurance, and it's written down. So when an inspector comes in, um, it shows that there was a deficiency, and you fixed it in a timely manner. Use these products, etc. <laughs> so there's definitely um, a burden to it. Um, you do have to be organized, um, and you, you can't be you, know, you can't shy away from a computer. <laughs> um, as far as uh, you know, politics. Um, most hospitals are associated with a larger organization, um, so you're talking about a, a corporate um, feel. Um, you have different departments that have to interact with each other. Um, sometimes it takes a bit longer than it does to, you know, in a, a retail setting to institute change. So coming in, coming from a, a locksmith company, a large locksmith company, moving in, into this institutional setting, um, you know, I told myself that I, w- I was going to make this, this place better than when I got here. So some changes needed to happen. Um, and it does take a while for those changes to, to take effect.
0: You had mentioned, Chris, uh, the importance of documentation and you know, many locksmiths, many of us are lacking in documentation. Now you have to do it. So do you document as you go? In other words, do you have a a laptop with you or a pad of paper and write things down as you're working or do you wait until it's completely done and then write your
1: notes? Uh, No, we would do it um, at minimum on a daily basis. So if we have a, if I have a work order, Um, I have access to that work order on my desktop, my laptop, and even my company phone, and I can uh, add notes to it, take pictures, Um, but I I constantly need to put notes in there because requesters or somebody who may have reported that failure um, can go in and look at it to see the status of it. So it's an ongoing process.
0: Chris, let's uh, spend the rest of the episode focusing on your area of institutional locksmithing, which is healthcare. So what types of security and life safety products are in demand and popular? Well, touch-free actuators
1: for auto operators. Uh, Those are in demand, especially in a pandemic year. Um, So you don't have to touch the uh, actuator button to open the doors. It just has a sensor. There's two different types of those. Um, I prefer the Doppler because you can there's a you can range out to 24 inches or so from the actuator. All you have to do is wave your hand in front of it and open the doors without touching anything. As far as what's in demand, I don't know if I if I can say what's in demand. I know there's a need for um, in healthcare settings uh, along your smoke compartment barriers. Um, You typically have double egress doors, Uh, so trying to secure a double egress door, um, you're left with delayed egress types of um, access control.
0: I wanted to ask you, I I noticed there's something called self-cleansing elevator buttons. Are you aware of that,
1: or do you use anything like that? I have not heard of that one. That's a new one on me, um, but I'll certainly look into that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just kind of wonder how it self cleans when you touch a you know a metal button. But interesting, I, I I don't know how that works. We want to take a moment to thank Security Pro Supply again for supporting Locksmith Talk with Aloha. Security Pro Supply is the new parent brand for H.L. Flake, International Key Supply, H.E. Mitchell, and McDonald Dash companies. These great companies have been in business for many years and continue to support the industry that they serve. While the existing company names will continue to live on, associating them together under the Security Pro Supply parent brand allows them to communicate a unified mission which is to help you, the security professional, be successful. One of the main ways they live up to this mission is by offering an incredibly broad selection. One call to any of the Security Pro supply companies gives you access to over 45,000 items that are in stock and ready to ship to you. This selection covers both mechanical and electronic hardware as well as a huge selection of OEM and aftermarket automotive keys and remotes. Even better, Security Pro Supply companies have a wide footprint with five convenient locations across the U.S. Houston, Texas, New York, New York, Memphis, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Florida, and Portland, Oregon. Security Pro Supply, one of the supplier that is truly offering a full line of security products to the security professional. Visit them at securityprosupply.com there you will find links to the existing company's e-commerce sites you can also take a moment to explore their growing library of educational resources including the listing of all webinars being offered through Aloa. once again that is securityprosupply.com now chris where do you see the healthcare industry being in terms of security and life safety in the next five to ten years out, if you could project from what you see?
1: Well, as, as far as life safety, um, healthcare should be at the top of the list. Um, they're the most highly scrutinized setting uh, as far as uh, inspection, inspections, et cetera. Um, security, um, that, that's where we're lacking a little bit. Um, I'll say coming into the healthcare setting, um, well, quite often, most hospitals have 24-hour manned security. Um, mm-hmm. So, don't think about the little things of, you know, uh, as far as rekeying keying locks. Um, I had to do a lot of convincing that when somebody leaves an office and somebody else moves into it, that we should re-key the lock. Um, before, th- before that, they were just cutting new keys or existing keys and handing them out. <laughs> so, as far as life safety, you know, healthcare is at the top, um, but security, um, is, you know, is, as far as locks, et cetera, uh, physical security, uh, we need to catch up a little bit there.
0: And, and security as far as also, uh, what would you say about people walking freely in and out of the hospital in different wings, different spots of the hospital? Uh, what can you say to that?
1: Well, a lot of that is controlled by the man security Um So you you cannot walk through the hospital as an employee or vendor without a badge Mm -hmm. um, that controls your access. Um, All of the exterior points, you know, are manned by security, Uh, especially in the the pandemic, you're shut down to one or two. Um, So it's pretty highly regulated. You have to be screened to come through, et cetera.
0: Speaking of life safety, not many people realize that healthcare locksmiths have multiple authority having jurisdictions, so to speak. So tell us about CMS and the Joint Commission and their role in your area of institutional locksmithing. Um well three of my
1: hospitals just went through a joint commission inspection um with the main hospital that I office in um being just two weeks ago. Um that's, that's pretty much the be-all, end-all, um, A-H-J, um, but uh, the Joint Commission inspection is critical. Um, obviously, a bad inspection, you could lose your federal funding, which uh, effectively means you're going to lose your hospital. <laughs> so that's critical. Um, so in my, my moments when I don't have work orders um, or if I'm not especially busy, I'm constantly rounding the building. Um, checking all the openings
0: um,
1: because if there's a failure on any one of those inspections, it's not going to be mine.
0: <laughs> so you're saying the joint commission the does, does these inspections? Correct. So the joint commission is contracted
1: by the CMS. So centers for Medicaid Medicare services. Um, the joint commission is basically the inspection agency who comes in and performs the inspection for the CMS, who is basically the, the government. And then, along with the Joint Commission and CMS, um, there is also, in my area, the, the fire marshal can come in and do an inspection anytime they want to um, to make sure everything's up to fire code, et cetera. Um, and then, if, there, if there's ever a complaint, you can have an inspection based on ADA, so American with Disabilities Act um, deficiencies as well.
0: That was going to be my other question. If the joint commission finds something not suitable, how much time do you have to correct that? And then is it reinspected?
1: So it depends on the severity of the finding. Um, if it's a severe one, um, you could have, you know, ten, six weeks, six months, um, just depends it's on a case by case. Um, but yeah, that has to be documented all the way through. Um, so that's another importance for documentation. Let's say you know I'm working on a, a project, but you know it's taking three months to get this project done because of lack of availability for parts, etc., mm-hmm. uh, or coordination from different departments. Um, if we get inspected and that's in a state of deficiency or that's a finding, um, as long as I have everything documented. Um, it can lower the severity of that finding. So it shows that I can speak to that deficiency, that I'm working on it, et cetera.
0: So, Chris, playing both sides of the ball here, what advice would you give a locksmith that is looking to transition into a role as a locksmith for a hospital or clinic?
1: Well, I would say you do have to be organized. Um, There's no taking shortcuts um, and, and in institutional locksmithing in a healthcare setting and mm-hmm. uh, like i said the documentation has to happen um for me you kind of have to be able to switch gears you know i have two modes i have one mode when i'm you know turning screwdrivers or in the field and then i have another mode when i'm corresponding and do- uh, inputting information into a computer <laughs> but you do have to be organized um There is a mindset difference that I found as well, just the way that um, the way they set up their key boxes, et cetera. Um, It seems like there's a little over redundancy on some of that stuff um, and inefficiencies that I've kind of worked to uh, to correct. Um, I would say coming into it, um, I would learn all of the existing processes um, and then take note of the inefficiencies and, and not be afraid
0: to push the envelope to uh, make things better. What advice would you give to a locksmith that is looking to become a service provider for a hospital or clinic? Well, I would promote everything
1: that you could possibly provide, um, for the hospital. Um, cause if a hospital has to use a vendor, they would rather use one vendor. And a bunch of different vendors find out what the building standards are in the hospital. Um, you know, a hospital definitely doesn't want 13 different types of hardware. <clears throat> um, and a hospital will pay to have it done right um, the first time, they don't want to have to revisit it. Um, so, the appropriate building standard hardware, you have to have the availability to provide that, be able to write professional quotes. Um, in a timely manner. So that's very important. Um, If I have to get a special quote on a a certain type of hardware I need it in a a timely manner, because quite often I have to turn around and relay that to somebody else to get a PO for it. Um, That could be a couple different departments.
0: Do you have a lot of input? Uh, Let's say, for example, you want to change the whole locking system in the hospital. It's outdated. You want to change it. Is there a budget you have to work with or is it just based on what it is you feel is necessary? So there are some, some
1: caps, anything over a certain amount. Um, so as far as my management is concerned, I have a, a supervisor and then a facility manager and then a director and then on up. So depending on the amount, it has to be approved by the appropriate uh, member of management. Um, so there, there is some uh, pleading your case and you know explaining why this is necessary um and then uh, of course there's uh, who's paying for it as well so if we're paying for it from the facility standpoint um then yeah it would be our side that we have to convince um if it's a different department who will be funding something uh, directly um, then that quote would go directly to them so and if it's an immediate threat or harm um a possi- you know, as a possibility to a patient, anything like that. Um, patient care always comes first. Um, it's critical that typically the funding will be there right away.
0: <laughs> I guess that was also one of my questions. If it's an immediate situation, a master key for many areas of the hospital is lost, and you need to rekey quite a bit, are you able to do that? And so I think you sort of answered that, but would that be the case?
1: Um, yes. We could, um, if we had to outsource, uh, we, we have the ability to do that. Um, I myself, uh, starting with the perimeters, obviously, first, um, and then working towards the interiors.
0: So, Chris, do you have any final advice for institutional locksmiths given your experience?
1: Code compliance. Uh, you know, even as a locksmith working in a commercial setting um, or, or a bank setting, um, any public building, uh, where you do commercial work, you have to know some code compliance. Um, but it's of utmost importance in the healthcare field. Uh, it's the most, the highly, most highly scrutinized, um, again, uh, situation or scenario as far as code compliance. Um, knowing that everything you do on, in that opening has to be code compliant, from a a, a fire code uh, to life safety to 88, um, and there uh, again, no shortcuts um, in healthcare. Locksmithing in healthcare.
0: Are there any other caveats to
1: look out for? Um, I would say, I mean, again, there are there is some some red tape. Uh, any kind of any large corporate entity, um, there's always going to be red tape. Not to. Be afraid to be the subject matter expert. Um, if you're the locksmith, um, you're there for a reason, and and are you're there you're there for them to rely on your expertise. Um, so make make it known, basically.
0: <clears throat> Is there anything else you would say that a locksmith should do to help advance their careers? I would just say, um, for me
1: myself, you know. I like to learn something new every day, Um, whether it's something about code compliance or a different certification that I want to go after, um, just to constantly excel and and be the best at what you can be. Um, In a a corporate setting, you do have to be professional. Like I said, there's no shortcuts. Um, But ultimately, um, just be professional and act with integrity. and be excellent.
0: And my last question would be, what would you say would be the value of continuing education for the healthcare locksmith? Uh, There's a lot of institutional locksmiths, unfortunately, who feel they're in a particular facility They know it inside out. They know the locking system. They know the hardware. They're not really interested in learning about other hardware or other locking systems until it comes there. But then again, you never know where you might be moved to or what might come down the pike. So what would you say, again, is the value of increasing your own continuing education in the field?
1: Well, there's two different approaches, and that's a great, great question. Um, There's a reactive approach and a proactive approach. And in facilities management or uh, an institutional setting, quite often it's reactive. So Mm -hmm. just wait for something to break and then fix it with whatever is on hand to maintain. Uh, They're they're. There just to maintain the existing status quo. But 10 years from now, that's going to be obsolete, right? Excellent point. Uh, mm-hmm. If you are not educating yourself on the newest, uh, best ways to do things, um, you will stay that far behind, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also just advancement. Um, you know, it, some people are, are happy just um, doing the same thing every day. Um, but uh, advancing yourself in your career, um, education goes a long way towards that, right? Oh yeah. And then again, in the in the institutional setting, the code compliance uh, that changes every two or three years. Um, different versions of code uh, get adopted. Um, you have to know what version of what code, uh, but that can change, um,
0: and you need to be up to up to the current standard, basically. <laughs> As many of our listeners already know, ALOA is phenomenal as far as the many various types of classes they have to offer, not only at conventions, but as webina- webinars uh, as well. Uh, can you tell our listeners, what is it that you teach for ALOA? Uh,
1: I focus mainly, well, I teach uh, fundamentals of locksmithing. Tell um, us about that. How, how long is that class and what do you do in it? So that's normally a a five-day, sometimes six-day class uh, unless somebody, a client, has a specific need to to, uh, tailor it down. Uh, But it covers everything from uh, all the different types of key machines, duplicators, code machines, uh, key identification, uh, the four different types of lock mechanisms, uh, raking and picking lock cylinders, repinning cylinders, master keying cylinders, Small format interchangeable cord, um, mechanical safe combo changing, uh, fitting and impressioning
0: locks,
1: (laughs) stuff like that.
0: So if an institutional locksmith would like to take that kind of class in person, is it just PowerPoint and listening to you or do they do something as well?
1: No, it's uh, in person is, is, I mean, I just, as, as an instructor, I find that. Most people, um, everybody learns differently, uh, but most are able to retain the most by having a visual and a hands-on component. Um, so the hands-on component component, whether it's muscle memory, stuff like that, um, is very important, especially, um, with the areas of locksmithing that require touch. Um, you know, everybody has a different touch, uh, but say whether it's the tension on your tension wrench or, uh, you're shimming a cylinder or or uh, impressioning keys. Um, everybody has a slightly different touch or approach that they develop, um, and practice makes perfect, right? So you have to be able to do that uh, hands-on.
0: Great. Any final words for our institutional locksmiths who might be considering the healthcare arena? Again, uh, it's if you're a professional
1: and you want to excel. Um, You have a, you're able to, what's the word? Multitask. Okay. (laughs) Um, Multitask um, uh, and switch gears from, uh, you know, in the field uh, to documentation. Um, I I think it's a great field. Um, uh, It's a a solid field. It's a necessary
0: field, uh, especially... Um, for healthcare, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you, Chris. I think what you said has been very insightful and I appreciate the time you spent with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you again to Security Pro Supply for sponsoring Locksmith Talk with Aloha. Security Pro Supply is the new parent brand for HL Flake, International Key Supply, H.E. Mitchell and McDonald Dash Companies. These existing company names will continue to live on, but by bringing them together under the SPS parent brand, they can communicate a unified mission, which is to help you, the security professional, be successful. Be sure to visit them at securityprosupply.com. There you will find links to the existing company's e-commerce sites. You can also take a moment to explore their growing library of educational resources, including the listing of all webinars being offered through Aloa. Once again, that is securityprosupply.com. Thanks so much for listening to Locksmith Talk with Aloa. As your podcast host, William Link, until next time, stay well.